Hi, what's up everybody? It's your host KJ and I'm back with a crazy week of wrestling. We've got seven shows in seven days and I'm going to be here covering all seven of them for you. Starting with Raw, moving on to NXT, Dynamite, Impact, Smackdown, Impact's Under Siege and then obviously Backlash which was on last night. So I've got a special announcement at the end of the podcast as well. So if you've made it all the way through to the end, you might as well stick around and see what I've got coming up. So let's start with Raw. So Raw started with a six women's tag match. It had Charlotte, Baszler and Jax versus Rose, Brooke and Oscar. About halfway through the match, Blitz appeared on the stage talking about how her and Lily were watching for her new plaything. So from what I can gather, it's one of those six people. And from what happened towards the end of the match, I can kind of guess that it's going to be Baszler because for the pinfall to happen... Baszler appeared to be going over for the tag, but her foot got stuck. Oscar hit with a shining wizard and got the pin. If this is going to be a program between Bliss and Baszler, I'm kind of interested in that. Whether Lily comes back as a third person, who I'm thinking might be Nikki Cross, because we haven't seen Nikki Cross for a while. Um, could be an interesting character for Cross. I think she'd play the gimmick really well if they do pick to put Nikki Cross as it. So you could see Nikki Cross versus Baszler. You could see Bliss versus Baszler. There's many options they could go with the storyline. For me, all in all, the match was okay. Not the greatest for a six women's match, and I'm not sure how I like the sort of weird finish to it with the six people involved. But WWE are building an interesting program with Bliss, so kind of got to love it at the same time. We move on to see the return of Jinder Mahal with his two new bodyguards, Zir and Shanky. It was nice to see Jinder with some bigger bodyguards instead of the Bollywood boys, to be honest. Um, can't really say much about the match. It was pretty much just a squash match. Obviously, Jinder's returning back. They want to make him look strong. They're clearly going to make him probably a strong mid-carder, Jinder was WWE champion, but I don't know whether they still see him in that light or not. Personally, I'm not a massive fan of having Ginger as champ. US champ, yeah, put him in a program with Sheamus. I think that'd be amazing. Obviously, they're kind of sort of same physique. They're both based around their heritage, stuff like that. So it could be an interesting concept for some matches. So Ginger went over Jeff. It is what it is, I guess. Uh, we moved on to New Day and RK Bro versus Styles, Omas, Elias, and Riker. For me, this was an interesting match because it seemed to be everyone was trying to dodge Omas. And then when everyone got an opportunity, Omas was just destroying everybody. Um, for me, it was more cunning over Braun in this match. So obviously the match ended with there had been a distraction of Omas by the New Day and Randy Orton hit an RKO on Elias for the pin and the win. The interesting thing for me was the after-match activity when New Day and RK Bro were celebrating in the ring. Orton RKO'd both of the members of New Day to the displeasure of Matt Riddle, and he just left silently, which will be perfect if it sets up a program for those guys. 
I think everyone's getting behind RK Bro. I think together they're kind of really good. Um, I like the fact that it's kind of a mentor mentee sort of situation with Riddle and Randy. New Day can are one of the most dominant teams you've had in history in the WWE. So who better to partner them off with if you're going to get them to go over? We then went to Sheamus and Carrillo. Where do we go from this one? So I'm sure at this point everyone's seen that Carrillo botched a sunset flip and has now re-injured himself again, uh, surprisingly enough. Um, I don't know if it's worth WWE at this point just letting him go. I mean, he's trying so hard to make himself stand out on Raw even on 205 Live when he was on 205 Live and he just seems to he just seems to push himself too much to the point where he gets hurt. I know in his mind he's probably thinking, yeah, I can do it, yeah, I can do it. It just goes to prove one slip in this industry and it does, it can take you out for a long time. Creo's had a handful of matches in two years because of injuries. So obviously Seamus won because Creo couldn't continue kind of a kind of a pocket filler i'd say it was it was always going to be shameless going over anyway i just feel like the injury just took away from everything shameless has been bulldozing everyone since wrestlemania i don't think at the minute there's really a program to put a contender onto him uh which makes me sad because you've given the US strap and the tag titles to two people at Mania and you don't really have a solid program for them coming out of it, which makes me really sad because um, they're both amazing talents, all three of them, with AJ and Omas. I'm assuming AJ and Omas will probably end up fighting RK Bro at some point, but there's not an actual solid program there at the minute. And Sheamus just seems to be fighting a load of mid-carders and ensuring his dominance. They need to give him someone solid to compete against. We then went for the battle of the former Hurt Business people. We had Cedric versus Shelton Benjamin. Obviously, after two weeks ago, Cedric walked out on Shelton, saying that he was the weak link. This match kind of was... Pretty much one-sided. I mean, Cedric was taking Benjamin down, but Benj he told him he was useless. He was the weak link. And he popped up, hit a T-bone and won. Um, again, it's one of those matches they've just used to fill time, unfortunately. I think if those two were given some time, they'd have some amazing matches. Cedric Alexander can have amazing matches of anyone on the roster. Go back to 2016 when he debuted on NXT. And he did his program with Omas. He did Dusty Classic. There was some amazing matches in there. Look at the Cruiserweight Classic as well. Cedric Alexander was then one of the people that they were going to try and push to the skies. And it just fizzled out. We then had Oscar in match, her second match of the night versus Rhea. Now, obviously, these two have been feuding quite a lot. I'm not, I'm not going to lie. They need to extend the women's division on Raw because I'm pretty bored of this at the minute. It's same six people every week and in different ways of fighting each other. They really need to get to the division on Raw side a lot bigger than what it is now. 
Uh, so obviously Oscar already fought a match. It was kind of obvious that Rhea was going to go over with the Riptide, building momentum ready for Backlash. You then had Morrison versus Priest. Winner picks the stipulation for Backlash. Now, how I said I was bored of Oscar versus Rhea, I'm very bored of Priest, Miz and Morrison program. It's been going on since Royal Rumble now. With it's been every other week with different implications put to it. You've added him with New Day, you've had him on his own, you've had him in handicap, you've had him in all different sorts of situations. You're not doing his character, he needs to move on, he needs to move on to something. I think if you're going to put anyone in the US title pitch, just go against him. Priest is the one to do it at the minute. It just feels like Priest is slapping anything to make him look good or better together but we'll get further into that later when i review backlash um so priest went over obviously didn't actually reveal the stipulation on raw but we later found out it was going to be a lumberjack match we then finished with a main event which is lashley versus drew again something we've seen a lot and especially over the past few weeks with different implications of the fatal uh, triple threat match going into Mania, uh, Mania Backlash. Um, again, it's been going on too long, this feud, and adding Braun into it hasn't added any favour to it. If anything, all you've done is put a person in there to take a pinfall to make the other person look strong. Um, this match ended in a DQ. Braun Strowman came down attacked them both, body slammed them both, power slammed them, trying to make himself look strong, ready for backlash. So unfortunately, this this show had... I, I feel bad always ripping on WWE at the minute, but their main product is not putting on the shows that it needs to put on. Uh, this is why it's been reflected in their ratings. Their ratings are the lowest they've been in a very long time and i feel like people are starting to see things as it's just rinse and repeat rinse and repeat rinse and repeat and i was hoping to start seeing some fresher stuff come in obviously with jason jordan's as producer now i honestly thought we were going to start seeing something fresh but then again he's only just got into the role so fingers crossed over time we'll start seeing a little bit more of this stuff come out i'm hoping because at the minute, Raw is really not worth reviewing, in my opinion. Uh, we move on to show two of the seven. So we've got NXT. So we started with the debut show of Cross versus Fury. It was a quick match. Honestly, they're going to build Cross strong. Um, he won with a Saito suplex into the Cross jacket. And... Yeah, I think this match was more to build up the fact of the match ready for next week. So we found out after the match that Johnny Gargano versus Reed would be inside a steel cage after Gargano attacked Reed, trying to cause damage before next week's match. Kind of looking forward to that because it means the way around the picture. Be interesting to see if Gargano will pick anything, any way to get away from it, if he uses quickness to escape over the cage, or if they're going to do what I said on episode one, which is take the title off him and give him a chance to have a run across. 
I don't know. We'll see how it plays out. Personally, I'd like to see him versus Cross. I don't see Cross losing the title for a good couple of months yet. So he's got the opportunity there to have these programs with all of these stars, which deserve to be it. I mean, Johnny's made that North American title. I wouldn't say look good, but he's held for a long time now, even if it is through despicable means. But he's still had good matches with everybody he's gone up against. We then had MSK versus Breezango. Now, I know for a fact that everybody who has some form of social media has seen the bit in this show where they're running the ropes, they're leapfrogging over each other, and the ref gets involved. It's been a very long time since WWE have done a comedy thing like that. And I'm not going to lie, I enjoyed it. It's nice to see something different. Obviously, it's been such a long time since we've seen a ref get involved in a wrestling match or anything like that. It was nice. And it was nice to see that the refs aren't just there to count pinfalls. They are athletes as well. I mean, half of them are either ex-wrestlers, inspiring wrestlers, and actually train with the people. So for me, it was really nice to see a glimpse of what a ref can do. Uh, obviously, MSK went over with N-Transmission. Uh, it was nice to see at the end of the match, there was a nice show of respect with MSK shaking Brizango's hands, but they've made it abundantly clear that they want Legal del Fantasma for a title match. So I think that match can be good. I mean, you've got high-flying people everywhere. NXT likes that sort of style. I mean, I like to watch it. They create magic in the ring. So for me, I'm not going to complain about these guys feuding off and having a title match, I think it will be a good four-star match, four and a half, depending on time, if there's stipulations, stuff like that. I think, again, it will be an amazing match to watch. We then had Pete Dunn come out, issuing an open challenge, calling Cross a coward because he picked Finn Balor, who Pete sees as the easy option after beating him for the title in the first place. Leo Ruff comes down after being refused a match because he's not medically cleared. Now, Pete's an evil, diabolical person. So this match was really quick. It ended with a triangle choke, and then he, after the match, broke his fingers just to put an exclamation point on it. It was nothing more than to make Pete look a little bit stronger, even if it was against an injured opponent. You've got Pete being evil, maniacal, and just hurting people. We then move on to the NXT Women's Title Match. Now... For minimal build-up, I was interested in this match. Because Ricky, Raquel, Raquel Gonzalez and Mercedes Martinez are both physical people. And if you've watched any of the build-up to this, you know they're going to cause each other damage. And the match did not disappoint in that sense. They were thrown into the ringside. They were thrown all over the place, into guardrails. They literally just beat the hell out of each other. And it's nice to see two dominant women do that now. It just proves that the women's evolution has done what it said it was going to do. And for me, that's absolutely phenomenal. Absolutely love the fact that they did this. And it was really interesting to watch. And I really enjoyed watching it, seeing people, women wrestlers, not people, women wrestlers do this. It was an interesting concept for me and i absolutely loved it uh 
Mart- uh, Gonzalez goes over with a single arm power bomb. Just again, pure strength from that woman. She is a literal powerhouse. After that, we move on to the debut of Swerve's new faction that he's called Hit Row. Now, obviously, this is going to be fresh. It's new. It's another faction to add. Not sure how they're going to play this one out. I believe it's starting to get a bit like AEW. I mean, you've got the way you had UE, you've got Pete Dunn's faction, you've now got Hit Row. It could be very interesting to see if Rough now builds a faction to go against them. I mean, War Games is around the corner. Well, War Games can be whenever they want to put it on its NXT. They do it kind of whenever. But um, it's nice to see Swerve in a heel persona. And now he's got people as backup. I mean, it would be very interesting to see where they go with this. Then we had O'Reilly versus Oni Lorkin. I liked the concept of this match. I really did because they're both very hard-hitting wrestlers. And I like that in matches and when I watch matches because you know they're going to give their all. And you know for a fact the strikes are going to be good. I mean, everyone's watched matches in the past where they've done strikes and they don't even hit people. It still gets sold. You know for a fact these two are going to connect with each other. So for me, it was really, really good. Um... Kyle O'Reilly won with the diving knee, as that seems to be his new finisher now. Uh, after the match, Pete Dunne and Lorcan attacked until a returning Bobby Fish. Obviously, we haven't seen Bobby Fish since the breakup of UE. Bobby Fish returned to make the save, chase the heels away. After the match, you see O'Reilly tell him, like, thank you for the help, but I'm doing my thing. I'm doing my solo thing. And Bobby just looks at him and goes, I know. I'll see you around. And off he goes. Now, the main event of NXT. Two out of three falls. Cruiserweight Championship match. Kushida versus Escobar. Now, we knew this match was going to be good. We... Obviously, knew this match was going to be an amazing match. These two have chemistry. They have good connection. They have a really good match. I wish they had more time. I mean, the first two out of three falls match they did was Smojo versus Cesaro. Absolutely amazing. Wrong. Sami Zayn versus Cesaro. The second one was Sami Zayn versus Joe. And that went in an hour. And these guys got given 20 minutes, 25 minutes max. And even for that, they put in work. It was an amazing match. They did the whole thing at the beginning where Legion del Fantasma tried to attack and MSK come out of nowhere and chased them off, which made it a straight-up one-on-one match. They did the typical build-up. The heel went one fall up because she evened it up. Build suspense to the last fall after some amazing tradings of moves and he applied a hoverboard lock phantasma tried to get out and in the end it ended up with a bridging suplex pin with the hoverboard lock still applied kushida won two one obtained the title 
looking strong. Can't see him losing it anytime soon, to be honest. Obviously, it gives an opportunity for a lot of people to step up, finish it off, finish him off, and keep going for it. So I'm happy with that. We move on to AEW Dynamite. It started strong. Start with the IWGP in United States title match. You had Moxley versus Nagata. Now Moxley debuted new entrance music, Wild Thing. Can't complain, really, can you? It's pretty much what Moxley is. He is a Wild Thing. Is it a wrestling entrance song? Not so much. Do I like it on Moxley? Yes. But I think it'd be more of an independent entrance song more than an actual main song. I think WWE, AEW, they like their custom music for this sort of stuff. So, unfortunately, as much as I enjoy it for main main program entrance, not a huge fan, to be honest. Um, it was a great match, honestly. Uh, both competitors looked strong. Moxley retained the title with a paradigm shift and showed respect after the match shaking his hand and raising it in tribute to the guy. Um, can't complain. I'm loving Moxley and Kingston together as well. I think those two are doing a really good job. I wish they'd stop doing the whole elite thing, but again, they're building a program. Honestly, whoever's going to take the title off of Omega is going to be a huge star, and it's going to be a massive build-up to it. So I can see why they're doing it storyline-wise. I just think they're taking a long, long time about it. But then again, I like long storylines. But there's no actual development in the storyline for me at the moment. We then had Cody come out with an announcement, with an emotional announcement for a go-go. pretty much telling a go-go that he left the UK to come chase the American dream over here. Um, I disagree with that statement. He, he went, there's money. He went, he's a boxer and he's lost vision in one eye. You know, it's one of those things where he's making the most of a bad situation. But again, storyline wise, yeah. uh, Cody pretty much just announced that he's fighting him at double or nothing. And he's going to not go as the American Nightmare. He's going to go as the American Dream. Is it going to be a tribute to his dad? Who knows? Or is it just a play on the American Dream? We then had Bucks versus MSK in the tag. Bucks versus CSU in a tag team title match. Obviously, everyone knows that CSU have got that thing. If they lose a match, that's it. They disband. They go away. They separate. So this had a lot of importance on it as a match. Really good match at CSU, SCU, thought like it was going to be their last match and they knew that it was going to be their last match. I mean, Daniels, if you've seen the pictures online, busted eye, like his eye is red, bloodshot inside his eye. Um, a really, really solid match. I didn't like the fact that they took a shot at WWE again with the Shawn Michaels and Ric Flair. I love you. I'm sorry. They've really got to stop doing this. You're not helping your brand. I know some people out there will find it funny, but the whole reason you separated off is your own brand 
and you left all the other mainstream promotions because you wanted to be independent. You wanted to be yourselves. You wanted to develop your own stuff. So dragging things from the past and making it do this isn't going to help you in the long run. Um, unfortunately, we saw the end of SCU after a, B a BTE trigger to Daniels. Makes me really annoyed that they've separated those guys but again for storyline purposes and everything that's going on with moxley kingston the elite good brothers omega everything like that it was the right decision to make to keep the young bucks with the titles um but after that we cut back to see kingston and moxley destroying the elite locker room so again more stuff building up their rivalry I just want to see him do a match now. I need to see Kingston and Moxley get somebody to join them, to join forces with them and take on the elite. I mean, it's a perfect opportunity to do a stadium stampede, perfect opportunity to do another blood and guts match. There's, there's lots of opportunities there to get eight to 10 competitors in a ring and just fight it out again, especially with the hype that they're building up on this one. We then move to Pat and Cassidy. Really, really good match to build up the characters on what they are and what their personas are. Um, Pat looked strong. He looked map-based. He looked high-flying. He did what he did best. Cassidy looked like the resilient person that he is. You know, he's got his jokey, jovial stuff, but when he wants to go, he wants to go. It seemed to be that Cassidy took a knock which may have injured him, may have hurt him for the tanker. I don't know if it was storyline for what happened next. So Omega came out and attacked Pack with title, and then it ended in a double count out. Pack and Callis, Omega and Callis celebrated like there was going to be no opponent for double or nothing. Then Tony Schiavone stands up and it announces that Omega will fight both Pack and Cassidy at double or nothing in a triple threat match. Now that is going to be amazing and i cannot wait for that match and he's book holiday from work so i can get that. i'm definitely going to book holiday from work to get that and i'll be doing a live tweet if it gets accepted so there's another announcement for you we then move on to the pinnacles coronation so obviously as we know the pinnacle beat in a circle in blood and guts so this was a generic build-up, just waiting for an interference sort of thing. There was watches handed out. There was praise amongst the group. Generic stuff um, until the inner circle came out in a modified 4x4 uh, with a little bit of a bubbly banner on the side. Jericho supporting a nice arm brace, selling the fall from the top. Later found out he's actually legit injured. He's actually hurt his arm from that fall. So for everyone that's going, oh, it's fake, it's fake, it's fake. Clearly, even in something that looks fake as hell, there's still injuries that can happen. Um, they issued a challenge to one more match. MJF declined. Sammy Gargano then went, Sammy Gargano, Sammy Guevara then went on to spray them all with a bit of bubbly. This irated MJF. Accepted the challenge in a stadium stampede match. And if the inner circle lost, they must disband forever. We then move on to Thunder Rosa and Jasmine Allure. 
Squash match. All you can say. Squash match. Rose went over with a pin. That, what, there's nothing else I can say on that match, really. We then finished with the TNT title match. All in versus Muro. Now, obviously, we all know what happened to All in last week. He got pushed down the stairs and was clearly going to be injured going into this match. Orlin did what he does best. He fights with all the resilience in the world. He's a daredevil, and they made Nero look really, really strong. I mean, the coffin drop off the side. Miro caught him. German suplexed him. Uh, the only thing that disappointed me about this match was all the interference from Paige and Sky. Um, it's really disappointing because I feel it kind of took away from the match as much as it could be seen as evening the odds because Sting was out of ringside, but Sting didn't get involved in the match at all. I'm guessing they're going to sort out some sort of match with All In and Sting versus Sky and Page at some point, but I feel like they need to do it. But we have a new TNT champion. After a brutal-looking accolade, and it did look horrible. Miro is now your TNT champion. After the match, Sky and Page came down to attack Sting again. This threw out the Dark Order to make the save. And we go back to see that Lance Archer's in the ring staring down Miro. Is that Miro's next challenger? If so, I will be so happy. So many big men in that company and Miro could fight them all. And I'll pay to see every single one of them. Because Miro's one of those guys. I like I like Miro. I liked him in WWE. I didn't like the fact WWE didn't get behind him. But AEW have put a scrap on him. Let's see how long they let him run with it. I hope it's a long time because he is legitimately a absolute monster. We move on to Impact. Impact's going to be a brief one. They're trying to keep all their major stuff for Under Siege on Saturday, which we'll be covering shortly. Um, you had Havoc versus Rosemary for a number one contenders match going into Saturday. Havoc went over Rosemary building for Donna Perazzo versus Havoc on Saturday. You had an exhibition number one contenders match. Pete Williams, El Fantasma, Austin Ace, Raju, Ace Romeo and TJP. This match would be what you'd expect anything to be from an X-Division match. A lot of high-flying stuff, a lot of high spots. Uh, El Fantasme end up getting the win. Not going to complain with that. A little bit annoyed. It's two matches and he's number one contender. But he is a phenomenal athlete. So I can't complain with how they booked that at all. You then had Sam Beal versus Willie Mack. This was literally just to have Morsley come in attack Mac building up for Saturday's match and make himself look very dominant. So Willie Mackham won by disqualification. It then went back to see Eddie Edwards offering Finn Juice some help for tonight's match against obviously you had Finley versus Anderson, which we'll cover shortly. But then you had Edwards was asking offering help for them because the numbers game. And he introduced us to Kenny the Kendo Stick. I like it. I like Kenny the Kendo Stick. I hope Kenny the Kendo Stick hits Kenny Omega. Just because 
I like kendo sticks. We then move on to Anderson versus Finlay. Finley wins by DQ after Omega and Gallows get involved. Generic elite stuff. I can't really say much more than that. And then Edwards comes in and makes a save with Kenny. Kenny the kendo stick. I like it. I like where they're going with it. Gives Eddie Edwards something to do. Gives Finn Juice some backup building into Saturday. So I'm not going to complain with it. I'm really not. We then move on to Myers versus Crazy Steve. Myers wins by cheating. Black Taurus attacks him after the match and puts a card of death on him. Ready again for Saturday. It's just a lot of build-up for Under Siege. I like it, don't get me wrong. But in the same breath, it's the same as what I said a little while ago. Impact is just recycling the same people. Um, not that I'm complaining because there's a lot of good matches. They go very underrated because obviously Impact doesn't have the viewership that it should have. Um, I like half of the wrestlers in Impact. Do I think they're booking them correctly? Do I think they need to work on their booking and timings with their matches and stuff like that? Yes. But it, it's been like this in Impact for a good couple of years now, so there's no point even trying to argue with the way they're doing it and just roll with it. I mean, have they put on stellar pay-per-views? Yes. Have they allured Kenny Omega, who's going to help them elevate that little bit more? Yes. Is Kenny then going to help their younger stars look stronger? Yes. So fingers crossed with everything that's going on around the business, we can get a decent product again out of Impact. And I really hope so, because I used to love Impact. We then finish with a six-man tag match. All of the combatants going into the six-way under siege number one contenders match. So you have Callahan, Bay, and Moose versus Cadino, Miguel, and Saban. This match was literally for pure momentum and getting all six stars in the ring. Everyone hit their high spots. Everyone hit looked strong. There was no solid weak people going into this match. There was no solid strong people going into this match. Uh, Callahan ended up getting a pin with a package pole driver on Saban, so that made him look as strong as he could going into Saturday's Under Siege pay-per-view. We then go to SmackDown, last show before Backlash. So we open the show with Roman Reigns trying to sort out some family issues. Obviously, we all know Jimmy's come back. Jimmy's sporting his new T-shirt. I'm no one's bitch. I like it. I kind of want the T-shirt to train in the gym. In. I'm not going to lie. I like the T-shirt. I'm probably going to award the one. It's a message for a lot of people. And a lot of people that don't even like wrestling would buy that T-shirt because it's just a statement. So I like it. I like the fact that Jimmy's managed to kind of get WWE to approve it as well and to be able to use the word on TV. Is WWE coming out PG-13? We can hope. So, yeah, we've got that sorting out. The family issues. You then got Jimmy coming down saying that it's all about Roman. Roman doesn't actually care about the family. Roman then tells him, if you think you can do it, do it. So Cesaro comes out, accepts the match. The main event set, Jimmy Uso versus Cesaro. We move on to the women's tag team title match. 
So, I watched this match, and for what it was for a title change, it was a fairly quick match. Um, no potential high spots, nothing really standout-ish about it. Tamina and Natalia beat Jax and Baszler to win the titles finally. Obviously, they've been chasing for a very long time. And it was very nice to see them give it to those two. It's been a long time since those two have held any gold. And they've been with the company for a very long time. In fact, I'm pretty sure that's Tamina's first ever title in WWE. So, congratulations to those two. Thank you, WWE, for finally recognising Tamina's loyalty more than anything. She's been with you for so long. Yes, she's had injuries. Yes, she's had this. But you finally give her the faith to have a strap. How long they keep the titles, who knows? It's WWE. We all know their booking is not the strongest. I hope they keep them for a good few months. I hope they keep them to, I'd say, Royal Rumble. Elimination Chamber, something like that. Give them a lengthy run. They deserve it. They're workhorses. They've been with you for so long. And you can tell by the emotion they showed in the promo after. They were both in tears in the middle of the ring. And that says a lot to me as compares really does. Um, you see it all the time when people win their first titles. It, uh, there's tears. They try and hold it, but the emotions take over. And that's how you know people have true passion for the business. And that's what makes me a fan. You can't not like people that have passion. We then move on to a Medal of Honor ceremony. Now, we all know this was just going to be chaos. You knew it was just to build up more hype around the IC title. And lo and behold, it does. Apollo Crews waffles on a bit. Obviously, talking about Nigerian heritage, stuff like that. Cruz is an okay talker. Do I listen to what you're saying? Not at all. Um, just because I'm not a massive fan of his promo work, to be honest. Is it better than what it has been? Yes. Do I still like it? Not so much. Um, this then brings out Kevin Owens, Biggie Zane. They all start fighting. Uh, it all ends up with Biggie standing toward the end of the segment. Obviously, they're building a lot of hype around the IC title, which I kind of like. I like it. They're trying to make the IC title more relevant. Is there too many moving obstacles in this and too many rivalries intertwined with each other? Yes. In my opinion, yeah. I believe there should just be fatal, triple threat, non-white contenders match, winner gets the title shot have a one-on-one -on -one match, and then start introducing more components. Obviously, you've just had the program end with Cruz and Big E, which went on for ages. Um, but, yeah, for me, I would like... I'd probably say it'll be Owens versus Cruz. Free up Big E to go for the Universal title versus Roman Reigns. I think everybody wants to see it at this point. I think everyone knows that Biggie's kind of in Cesaro's situation. You know, Biggie's been with him for a long time. Yes, he held the NXT title. He's held the IC title multiple times. He's held tag team title multiple times. 
It's time to give Big E that push, like you're doing with Cesaro. Give Big E that little push. Give him an opportunity at Reigns. See the magic he can put on with Reigns. Big E's a good talker. Roman's a good talker. Big E's a massive face. Roman's a massive heel. It's literally your perfect situation to make either your heel look absolutely dominating or your baby faces look strong. Book the match, WWE. Big E versus Roman. Everybody wants to see it. You will get buyouts through the roof. You will get merch through the roof. Your ticket sales will go through the roof. Everyone wants to see Big E versus Roman. We then had Ray versus Dolph. It's the same as most Ray matches, to be honest. Dolph dominated. Ray won with an inside cradle, build momentum up for backlash. I can't really say much more to it on that. I believe they're underutilizing Dolph and Rude. I believe they're underutilizing Ray and Dominic. I think they should all have more time and they should all be able to do what they want to do in the ring and not make Ray and Dom look weak with inside cradles all the time. We then go to Bailey's warning to Bella. Now, obviously, they're in the title match at the weekend. And it's pretty much just Bailey laughing, saying that she's going to win the EST's reign. And Belair having none of it. Trash talking all the way to Sunday. Then had Nakamura versus Corbin. So I've heard inklings that they're bringing the King of the Ring tournament back. I haven't seen anything confirmed yet. But I hope so. I missed that tournament. Maybe do it not as a pay-per-view. But I think maybe you could do it as a special on the network make it a network special like when they went to japan and they did the beast in the east and stuff like that make a king of the ring a one night special have eight competitors fight to become king of the ring i reckon people would watch it depending on who the competitors are and i think it'd be interesting so do it match again short match can't really say much corbin won countering an armbar into a pin again not really making either of them look strong in the match the talking point happened after the match where Nakamura kicked him hit a Kinshasa and put on Corbin's crown um, do I think both these people are misused? Yes Corbin used to be dominating, he used to be fighting Reigns on a weekly basis he, used to, he went over to Raw and attacked Drew and nothing happened with that and they're just not making any sense with their booking of Corbin. Have they misbooked Nakamura? Yes! Without a shadow of a doubt they've misbooked Nakamura. Yeah, he was WWE champion. Not for long. Um, disappointing. Uh, disappointing with WWE's booking of these two, to be honest. Nakamura deserves to be treated better. And Corbin has been there that long that I think they should put a strap on him. Not the world strap, but I see US. Either or continue storylines with him. You know, he kind of has one-off matches against the same people every week, but there's no actual fundamental building to it. We then end with the main event. Cesaro versus Jimmy. Now, this is fun. 
because it's a strong match for both competitors. They both look really, really strong. And unfortunately, it ends with Reigns and Jay getting involved. It's really annoying because I would like to see that match end in a clean finish, to be honest, to build momentum really for Sunday's pay-per-view. But WWE decided to go another way. So Cesaro ends up taking out Jey Uso when Roman Reigns goes off to talk to Jimmy after Jimmy gets really annoyed with how Reigns intervenes in the match. It ends with Jey in the neutralizer and Cesaro looking strong. I think this storyline and the way they've made Cesaro go over with the crowd is actually really good. Um, I can't complain about how they've done it, to be honest. Uh, really good show. Really good ending to the show as well, making Cesaro look really, really strong. We then move on to Under Siege. We start with Myers versus Black Taurus. Myers wins with Thumb to the Eye and Roster Cut. Not very much more I can say that that match is always just going to be a filler match for the show. We then went to Taylor Wilde, Dashwood versus Susan and Kimberly. Wilde and Dashwood get the win after Caleb with a K got involved, taking out Susie with a shot to the shoe, shot with a shoe. Wilde pinned Kimberly off of a German suplex for the win. There was an enthusiastic celebration after which Wilde wasn't interested in at all. We then go to a fatal four-way tag team number one contenders match. We've got Austin Ace and Madman Felton versus TJP Pete Williams versus Triple XL versus Rajit and Ciara. Not much I can say about this match. It's a normal multi-man match. Multi-man matches are very chaotic. Um, everyone hits their high spots. Everyone does everything they need to do to make themselves look strong. But we all we kind of get lost in the action. Uh, Madman Felton and Austin Ace got the win become your new number one contenders so you've got that to look forward to we've got new number one contenders as well as the going on program with Finn Juice and the Good Brothers so it's quite interesting to see where Impact go with this one under, under Siege we've got Morsley versus Willie Mack this match was just put in to make Morsley look dominant as ever Morsley goes in and obliterates Willie Mack and gets the win Obviously, Willie Mack had some points of momentum in it, but it was literally just put there for Willie Mack to look, to put Morsley over. You can't say much more than that. Morsley tried to attack at the end, and then we've got a returning Rich Swing comes to make the save. So I think we found Morsley's next competitor, which could be fun. Obviously, Rich Swan likes the underdog stuff. He likes... He likes being told that he's not going to win. He's a small guy. He can't do it. And I think it will make Morsley look really strong going into it as well. We then had a knockout tag team title match. I'm disappointed with this, to be honest. Grace and Elring versus Fire and Flavor. Yeah, Fire and Flavor. I think they should have given more time with the titles to Grace and Elring. I don't know where they're going to go from here. 
So we have new tag team champions with Fire and Flavor. Um, are they now going to go into a program with Grace and Elring? I hope so. Are they just going to give the straps back to them? Impact's booking is more unpredictable than WWE's. And I like it because you don't know what they're going to do. But in the same breath, I don't like it because it don't make sense half the time. Um, am I glad to see Fire and Flavor with the titles? Yeah, I think they're a good team. Uh, do I think they've done the dirty on Grace and Elring? I don't think they've done the dirty. I think they've missed an opportunity to give those two a program for a little while. I think now they're just probably going to end up sitting on obscure. Obviously, Grace has had all of her matches against Perazzo, so she can't go do that. Elring can, and Grace can be in her corner, I guess, but I don't see it going that way, in my honest opinion. We then move on to the X Division title match. Josh Alexander versus El Fantasmo. Hard-hitting hard match. Both guys look really strong going into this. Obviously, we all know Alexander's ground game is phenomenal. And we all know ELP's is high game is phenomenal. So it's very interesting to see the contrast, the styles in this. And obviously, ELP is one of the greatest high flyers of all time and I absolutely love it and I actually still will say this to the day it was an absolute honour watching him wrestle in person Alexander gets the win with the ankle lock grapevine again Josh Alexander's going to hold that title for a long time I'm not going to complain about it we then move on to a knockout championship match Donna Perazzo versus Havoc Havoc knocked her about for a long time. It was expected Havoc was the bigger one going into this match. It ended with interference from Susie and Kimberly causing a distraction for Perazzo to lock in an arm bar on Havoc to retain. We then go to a six-man tag match, which is the Elite versus Eddie Edwards and Finjuice. Again, it's another multi-man six-man match, which is chaotic. Obviously, you've got the Impact World Champion triple-a grand champion aw world champion all with the elite and it was nice and it was fresh to see that finn juice and eddie edwards went over on this to be honest obviously kenny didn't take the win but it just proves that kenny's not just there to take belts and dominate impact he's there to try and elevate the company as a general I think smart booking personally, I think they need that. I think they need to get more eyes on their product. So I'm not going to complain to that. So we, Eddie and Finn Juice get the win after Eddie hits the Boston knee party on Alice uh, Anderson. Yeah. Um, again, really good match. I've liked Eddie Edwards since he was part of the Wolves. So not going to complain. Makes him look strong, doesn't make Omega look weak, doesn't make Finn Juice look weak. So all I'm quite happy with that. We then move on to the six-man number one contenders match. Saban, Bray, Callahan, Cardano, Miguel and Moose. Everyone looked really strong in this, obviously. It's another multi-man match, very chaotic. You can't... You can't not... <sighs> 
enjoy multi-man matches for the chaos, but you can dislike multi-man matches because of the chaos. There's too much action going on at once. Obviously, everyone wants to hit the eye spots. Everyone looks strong. It ends up with Anderson and Gallows coming down and taking out Callahan, giving Moose the advantage to spear Saban and get the pin and the win. Interestingly enough, Moose didn't really care about any of that. So for me, that's not an issue. I don't mind that. Uh, Moose is pretty much guaranteeing to take the title away. I'm not going to moan about it. We then move on to Backlash. Our last and final show. So I'm going to cover the pre-show match because I love Ricochet. So you had Ricochet versus Sheamus. We all knew Sheamus was going to go over. But interesting enough, Ricochet actually had some nice offense and did a beautiful combo, which was a springboard clothesline into a shooting star press into a springboard moonsault for a near fall. Sheamus recovered, wins with a knee to the face. We move on to the first match of the main card, which is Rhea versus Oscar versus Charlotte. Some cool spots. You had Moons off the top rope, the double natural selection. Charlotte made a mistake, Rhea capitalized, hitting the riptide on Oscar to retain the title. This doesn't make Charlotte look weak. It just makes Rhea look strong. I know for a fact at some point we're going to see a triple one-on-one uh, -on -one match with Charlotte and Rhea because Rhea will want to revenge her loss at WrestleMania for the NXT women's title. I like the fact that they're longing out the build up to this. I like the fact that they're making Charlotte fight for it. So it makes people believe that she's not got a silver spin. We then move on to the tag team title match. Rude and Ziggler versus Ray and Dom. Ray comes down on his own after they attack Dom in backstage area earlier in the night. He's put in injured ribs. It's not a bad thing. I'm not going to complain about it. I believe it helped with what happened at the end of the match. And I believe it built for an interesting story and got us all really more invested. So after Ray getting abused for a good five, ten minutes, Dom comes down, injured or not, puts his arm up for the tag. His dad says, hesitant, he tags in. We go back to an actual normal tag match. It ends with Dom getting the win after a frog splash off the top rope. And we officially have our first ever father-son tag team duo in the WWE. And I don't think any of us could be any happier with it being Ray and Dom. Absolutely elated for the guys. I'm so glad it happened and can't complain that it happened. We move on to what I'm dubbing as Zombie Jack match. So it's billed as a Lumberjack match. Obviously, WWE have slapped Priest with another plug slash get over segment with the Army of the Dead. Do I think it was a unique twist? Yes. Did I think it was necessary? No. It took a lot away from the match. There was too much fighting on the outside with the zombies. There was too much emphasis on the zombies on the outside. And you, you've you've technically killed Morrison and Miz. They got eaten by zombies. So now what are you going to do, WWE? How are you going to get yourself out of that one? Um, Priest went over. 
obviously like he has pretty much 90% of the feud. Please move Priest onto something else. I'm bored of this now. We then move on to the SmackDown Women's Championship match. Solid match. Bailey looked really strong taking out Belair. Belair looked really strong with her athleticism. Bailey had a counter for everything Belair had to do. And you can't really fault that. It's how Bailey works. So I'm not wrong, not disappointed with that. Belair ends up getting the win with a roll up using her braid as well, which I thought was a unique twist. It doesn't then make Bailey look weak so they can have another match. We then move on to the WWE Championship match. This match, the three big men that get gassed really quickly, really, really good. And not going to lie, Braun's best match in WWE. It, they all looked really strong. You had Braun put Drew for an announce table. Lashley went through some LED boards. You had teaming up to take out Braun, which doesn't, again, doesn't stop the fact that everyone thinks he's a beast anyway. So you've just made him look more like a beast. You cannot complain with that. Absolutely amazing match. Doesn't take away from the finish with Lashley pinning Braun after Drew hit him with a claymore and then Lashley threw him out the ring, hit a spear to leave with the title. It doesn't make any three of those people look weak. We all knew Braun was put in there to take the pinfall against whoever was going to win the match. We all knew it was either going to be Lashley or Drew. Um but they've done a really good job with Braun on that. They've made him look really strong. He's put on an amazing performance and it has delivered his best match ever. We then move on to Reigns versus Cesaro. Now, everybody going into this match wanted Cesaro to win. I think everybody wanted Cesaro to win. And we all knew it wasn't going to happen, but we can live in hope. I believe that WWE are going to hold that to a later date. I hope so. It will be amazing. And I literally cannot wait if they do do it. I think it'd be brilliant. But this match was really, really good for storytelling wise things as well. So you have Roman being the dominating champion, injuring body parts, isolating body parts, the baby face not giving up, then having mild bits of offense, champ counters again. I honestly think it was one of the greatest matches that either of those two have put on. Uh, Reigns goes over with the guillotine in the end. The disappointing thing is I believe they took away from the victory with Jay attacking Cesaro and then Seth coming down and injuring Cesaro even more, which annoys me a little bit because Seth's not been involved in that program for two weeks and now he comes out and does it and it's like he's helping Reigns, which really does disappoint me. All in all, solid match. Solid pay-per-view, some questionable choices with the zombie stuff. Um, but I'm not going to complain about it because I believe that WWE have done it to make some money, boost one of their former superstars, boost one of their current superstars in a new Netflix series. So all in all, amazing. Can't complain. Very busy week of wrestling, hence why this has gone on a little bit longer than normal. I'll be back again next week with another weekly review. Thankfully, with only five episodes to do, five shows to do, not seven. 
So you won't have to hear my voice ramble on for another hour. My announcement is on Wednesday. I will be dropping KJ's top tens. The first episode I will be doing is my top ten favorite matches slash dream matches from NXT from 2014 to 2016. I believe that that was when NXT had so many big stars coming in and out of their doors. There were so many dream matches that I believe everyone wanted to see. And I'm going to put that in a nice little top 10 list of my favorite ones. I'll give you the episodes and the dates of the episodes. So if you want to go watch them and see if you agree with me, you're more than welcome to. Uh, all of my Twitter, Instagram and Facebook page will be in the description below this. Uh, I hope you guys enjoyed and I hope you keep supporting the, the channel, the page, the podcast. And I hope you enjoy the rest of your week.